Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb And welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your other host, Sean. And joining us once again today, we have back very special guests from the Mad Max Minute and Mad Max Minute Road Warrior and Mad Max Minute Beyond Thunderdome. It's Rick and Julia. Welcome back. Thank oh, you so much. Hello. Yay. <laughs> a lot of mad minutes. <laughs> that may be why Max is so mad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thank you for for coming back. It's great to have you. Well, we want to welcome you to the show. And today we are here to talk about Minute 64. Sean, summary? All right. Minute 64, we get the exciting conclusion. As the truck goes down, 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 hits rock bottom upside down, and crushes the cab at the bottom of the quarry. Larry says Phil might be, oh, no, he's not okay. But the clock turns over at 6 a.m. and we're back with Sonny and Cher playing their tune. And Phil decides to make some toast. Yeah, so we get the resolution of our cliffhanger from yesterday. And it turns out Phil isn't just hanging on the cliff. He's going over it and going down. All right, so that whole hanging on the edge of the cliff thing. Do you think there's a possibility that we could have gotten a scene... The truck goes over, lands upside down, explodes, and then we get uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <laughs> situation where Phil is climbing up the side of the cliff because he dove out at the last minute. <laughs> did, he, did, did he send Punxsutawney Phil with the with the with the uh, with the truck? He's like, "Sayonara, <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own, Phil." Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, I guess we could have. I'm glad we didn't, because then that leads to the inevitable scene where Larry and Rita are looking over the edge and they're kind of shaking their head and they're concerned for Phil Connor. And then Phil comes up behind them and it's kind of like, oh, what are you guys looking at? Um, I'm glad they didn't. That is my least favorite minute of Last Crusade. Plus, it would be really uh, awkward to hear Andy McDowell's Sean Connery impression. Oh. I thought I'd lost your boy. <laughs> Did I just turn Sean Connery Australian? I don't know. My impressions are so bad, even I don't know what they're supposed to be. <laughs> a league, a league of her own. Um, yeah, it's like Larry knows he's wrong when he says it to Rita, but it's kind of like he's like, "Oh crap, she could be on the, she could be like on the line for this one," you know? Yeah. Like he just realizes that. Her job could be compromised because of this. He won't, because he just did his job, but she's going to be flipped. And so he's like, I oh, mean, he's not dead. Like, you can, they'll, they'll, they'll be a way out. Oh, no. Okay, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, and th- this is good. And uh, uh, Danny Rubin, the the writer, uh, mentions this. This is his favorite, uh, favorite Chris Elliott line <laughs> of the movie. And he does a really good reading of that. Uh, oh, you know, he, he might be okay. <laughs> And then I have, yeah, in, in the, um, in sort of the transcript, you've got, you know, Larry saying he might be okay. And then truck explodes <laughs> before the line. Well, no, probably not now. <laughs> Although probably not even before, even without the explosion. And this was a little bit, uh, another bit of serendipity, not planned. 
that the truck would flip over and land upside down was not the way they drew it up. The truck kind of just did that on its own mm. when they sent it over the cliff. But I really like it. It makes a good effect. And um, yeah, I, I certainly I, I don't think anyone still in that truck is is going to be okay even without the explosion yeah and that, that just kind of <laughs> like yeah i don't think he had his i don't remember him having a seatbelt on so like his head would just you know get knocked up and the cab is definitely you know crushed probably from the weight of the engine now yeah so uh, i like i like that idea i hadn't considered it before but i like the idea of phil sneaking out because also where rita and larry are they're on the passenger side of the truck as it goes past. So the idea that he could have slipped out at the last moment as the truck is going over the cliff and, and, you know, out of their eyesight, he's kind of just climbing back up. I kind of like that. Cause, and, and since he's got the repetition of the days, he's got a couple chances. He, if he needs time to work out the exact timing, you know, what's the last moment that you can duck out. That's not too late. <laughs> I kind of want to see that day <laughs> where Phil just had, you know, has a little bit of fun with this, this demise. I, I tell you, I, you know, I feel like I said, when I, when I, when I, when I see him driving that, that truck, when he says, you know, our, you know, can't keep our audience waiting. I don't know, man. I don't think he knows he's not coming. At least he, he knows he's not getting out of this truck again, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, he's hoping. And I don't know. Like, I think it's at the point where he makes sure he grabs Talk to Tony Phil, like you're not going anywhere. Like we're going out together, and I'm going to stop this loop. I think in his madness, what he would be trying to do. Now I don't know how deep those quarries can get, but it would have been pretty exciting to see Phil go over the edge, bail out of the truck almost as soon as it goes off the cliff, and then have some sort of wingsuit <laughs> <laughs> to go full on Mission Impossible with this, where he flies out the side and then glides to safety. <laughs> He Peter pans right off of that <laughs> cliff, leaving Tommy Lee Jones completely flabbergasted. I don't know what this says about me, that all you guys have good notes about him getting out. And I'm just like, oh, no, <laughs> he made a decision. And he will. He and that groundhog will die in that cab. Like I, I went I went I went right to. Oh, no, no. He wants to he wants to go out this way. Well, we Although have we a long standing to- history of our heroes, more or less kind of sacrificing themselves, but also still living i mean the giant rig goes off the road in road warrior and crashes but max walks away max has to clear the landing strip in beyond thunderdome but he jumps off the truck and he lives to tell the tale like we we have a long-standing true practice track record of people sacrificing themselves without actually having to sacrifice themselves fully (laughs) that's fair that's that's the way to do it yeah and so uh well Rick and Julia, what do you think about Larry that he suddenly, you know, just a few minutes ago, in the beginning of this week, Larry had a pretty dim view of Phil. You know, he's he's calling him a pervert for running off with <laughs> with the hedgehog, with the rodent. And, you know, he doesn't seem too surprised that Phil has finally snapped and he's... Um, you know, jiving for the camera, he wants to get the shot. He doesn't really seem too worried. But now all of a sudden, he's trying to be sympathetic with the, this, you know, he might be okay. What, what do you think of that line? Well, everything changes when somebody dies. They could be the most wretched person in the world, and they die. And 
people don't want to speak ill of the dead, so they find something good to say about them. I And I'm talking about normal people, mm-hmm. not like, you know, <laughs> Hitler. In hindsight, <laughs> after he's dead, we still talk about how horrible he was. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were saying like what, how Hitler talks about dead people, but uh, yeah, okay. Hitler's a real piece of work. I'll tell you what. So now that now that Larry has witnessed Phil's death, all of those other feelings that he had about Phil, they're null and void. Phil is gone. So now his humanity kicks in for the fact that he has witnessed a death, and he finds sympathy and he finds it in himself to comfort rita even with a lie yeah i think comforting rita is the key part of that the whole second day on the job as a producer and your talent has crashed headfirst into the bottom (laughs) of a quarry and larry's like well you know we might be able to salvage this situation it's probably not the end of your career phil might be okay yeah i mean it's probably (laughs) him saying like i as I said, like, I think he, yeah, when he was thinking of it, he was thinking of, like, oh, man, when they fire him for all this, like, I got him, I got him on camera, like, he can't weasel his way out of this, and now, yeah, he sees this death, and it's, it's so just, like, you can't believe it, you know, it's not like it was a, a shootout, it was a guy who drives himself off a cliff, and, yeah, he's probably, like, trying to say to Rita, like, well, if any, I, I'll, I'll say that you did everything you could as a producer, I'll say, I'll, I guess I'll say, I'll say that as much. Like, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. But, yeah, <laughs> your weatherman's dead. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that Larry keeps filming. He kind of, you know, he, he kind of nods towards Rita with that, you know, he might be okay. But then he leans back into the camera. He puts his eye back up to the eyepiece because he's, he's you know, he's kept it rolling as a good cameraman should. He's, he's capturing everything, um, which we don't always see. There's There's been some slips. Uh, particularly back at, at Gobbler's Knob when when Phil goes off script with his um, with his little thing or whatever it is you call it that he's doing from Gobbler's Knob. There's been some times where where Larry's been less than professional, but yeah, in this case, so he's probably like a good disaster cameraman. Maybe he shouldn't be doing like Swans returning to Capistrano or Swallows or whatever or, or Groundhogs. He shouldn't be doing animal based reporting. He should be, he should be in war zones and disasters and stuff like that because he seems to be keeping his head through this scene a lot better than he's done back at the knob. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah, Pittsburgh in that area. I don't think like in the early '90s there was any riots or like <laughs> like anything that went crazy uh, out in Pittsburgh. Like I don't maybe maybe when like the you know there was a Steelers loss or something, the town went crazy, but. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, I That's... know the you had Lemieux. You probably had uh, the the Penguins. Excuse me, the Penguins winning a couple cups. But Pittsburgh, this isn't Detroit or or Philadelphia. I don't remember there being any big riots, sports related. So there's yeah, there's probably not much for Larry yeah. in Pittsburgh. He's the one that should be talking about getting picked up by a major network, not Phil. He probably just need he needs the uh, he needs a portfolio, you know. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I think Larry could be the guy who, when he's not doing this, he's driving around like a nightcrawler and he's looking to see <laughs> if there's like a car chase or an accident that mm-hmm. he can get some footage of that he can use as a way to get out if he really wanted to. Right. I mean, he, I, the, but the thing is that 
he left you know San Diego either because it was too safe or he didn't like the weather because he's you know <laughs> yes because when people talk about San Diego. They always complain about the weather. Oh, well, sunny and warm again today. I don't know, man. Maybe Chris Light doesn't like sweating. Like, I'm trying to think why Larry, why Larry, not Chris Light, but why Larry didn't want to stay in that area. If he had a decent gig doing the Capistrano thing, why why leave California then? You know, he was if he had a gig, a steady gig going, why leave? That's I'm just saying. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a good question. I don't think we'll ever get the answer to of how, how that career possesses. Po- progresses how you get from san diego to pittsburgh um but the thing i want to know is when does larry cross the line so he's driving around with the camera he's looking for accidents he's looking for news he's looking for something to shoot to add to his portfolio something that might get him some attention when does he cross the line from just looking for that to making that you know when does it it's like it's too quiet so you know, I'm going to, you know, disable the gate on this railroad crossing and camp out and eventually someone's going to get hit by a train or I'm going to mess with these traffic lights so that their both sides are green at the same time. God, that is dark. That's some yeah. dark stuff, Sean. <laughs> I think the hope is that it never gets to that point. <laughs> <laughs> you pose the question like it's inevitable. Yeah, but <laughs> it isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, yeah, like, I didn't, I, I am on Larry's side for most of this film of just being like, I, I respect him as a blue collar guy who, you know, he's, he's okay. He's okay where he is. He doesn't yeah. need to, to, to bitch and moan. He puts uh, in his time. He works hard. And at the end of the week, he collects a paycheck just like every other schmo. Yeah. All right. He does the job. Yeah. And as far as his attitude goes, we've seen him be rather sarcastic, maybe a little smarmy at times, but for the most part, harmless. Yeah. But on the very last day of Phil's uh, repeating the days, he forms a, he forms the beginnings of a pretty good relationship with Larry. So that that sarcasm from Larry might decrease in the future. Yeah. Because he has a healthy relationship with Phil. I'm very interested to see, yeah, when we get to the end, how, mm. how they treat each other. I'm very excited to see that. Um... So getting so I, I I'm trying to think of all the movies we've seen. How many times do we how we feel like this gag has been done? Like oh the car hasn't blown up and then it blows up because I've seen the other way around where it's like <laughs> I feel like movies now the joke is and the car blows up and then it doesn't blow up because it's like you know we're now subverting the expectation of what we've seen throughout the previous decades. When do you think this like can anyone think of when this one started? Like oh maybe the car won't explode and then like mid sentence the car explodes. This is the the earliest example that I can think of. I mean, and not that I, I can't think of a ton of examples of this anyway. I mean, I, I, there's this where there's that pause before, you know, he might be OK and then it blows. And then there's the other example I think of is um, 21 Jump Street, where the, the car chase kind of towards the end of that movie, where there's all these things hitting. There's like a tanker truck and, and all these other accidents where you think it might explode and it doesn't. And then there finally is the big explosion. I don't know. I can't I can't think of any other examples of that. Well, if I can go back to the Road Warrior well, you've got this huge chasing that makes up the majority of the climax of that film. And then mm-hmm. there's this gigantic crash. The whole thing goes off the road, rolls over onto its side. And all of these raiders think that it's full of gasoline. And it doesn't explode. 
and it really confounds the raiders because they don't know what to think and then of course they see that it's full of sand spoiler alert for a movie that's over 30 years old at this (laughs) point but there's that expectation that it's going to blow and it doesn't and earlier on in that movie you've also got max and he's driving a car that is actually full of gasoline and he gets forced off the road and his car rolls down into a ravine and it doesn't explode only because of how reinforced it is and then we get this sort of long drawn out sequence between the car crashing and the car eventually exploding but it's one of those situations where it explodes because someone tripped off a booby trap so other people around the car are in the middle of doing something and then the explosion surprises them because one guy made a bad decision and it ended up throwing everybody else out of out of whack Mm. And and then I'm thinking about when they did Fury Road, just how I felt like the reason a lot of those cars and trucks were exploding was because it was almost like they were u- they were using fuel the way you know you'd use confetti at a party. You know, yeah, there was fuel lines everywhere because they <laughs> yeah. were it was like a, almost a celebration of it. So it's like you hit that you hit any one of these pipes. But they, they said the fact that the, you know, the bad guys in Fury Road were in charge of everything. They were in charge of the fuel and the bullets and the food and the water. That they weren't expecting anyone to ever mess with their plans and shoot back and crash them and stuff. That, yeah, the, those those trucks were so volatile that even the simplest thing would, would set them off. Um, do we hear, honest to God, do we hear a scream from the groundhog in the, in the truck? Did you hear that, or is it just me going crazy when I'm when I'm watching this clip? I don't think you're going crazy. I think there might be the tiniest little bit of a squeal from a groundhog layered into that explosion noise. Yeah, it reminded me of like tremors because like every time like they blew up, they always play that like high pitched noise. They die. Like, yeah! Raise Kevin Bacon or Burt Gummer, <laughs> uh, Michael Gross blew them up. They always would play this like really high pitched noise, and that's like that's immediately what I felt. And I said that was ninety. I think that was 90 that movie came out. So, like, you know, they might have thought that idea of, like, ah, throw a little little squeal in there. Yeah, I mean, we certainly get a lot of wind, which I think is is meant to emphasize the distance of this fall, that mm-hmm. the, the, the truck is kind of out there for the extended period of time, and we hear the, the wind whooshing by. I, yeah, I don't, I don't hear any screams, but I know I'd be screaming if I was in that truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then they hit, they explode, they're probably not okay. Movie's over. Thelma and Louise second. ending. 20, the 24th second. Go to that one, Sean. Listen to that one right now. At 24? Yeah, that's what we're saying. I think that's there's a squeal sound effect thrown in. Oh. Oh, my. See, I was thinking, I, I, was, I was listening earlier. Oh. As the truck is falling, but during the explosion... Oh yeah! yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a scream. It almost <laughs> sounds like almost sounds like one of the aliens from Alien. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when when they get burned. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, God, what a what a what a what a what a crazy beautiful ex- real explosion that is. Too, wow. That we get a nice close up of it. You know, it's not just from the top of the cliff. We actually get this like. Like only from like forty feet away. Look. Yeah, like a ground level view. That's scary because it certainly seems like I imagine Phil just from the impact and the cab getting crunched on impact. If he is not dead, he is very close to dead. 
and at the very least unconscious when this explosion happens. But I could see Phil the Groundhog surviving this this crash and being aware. And then when the explosion happens of getting burned to death and then we hear, yeah, that squeal. I hadn't noticed that before. Well, well, one of the things about why falls are so deadly to humans is because humans have so much mass. Yeah. There's a formula about when you fall, gravity is always going to be a constant. And Mm -hmm. I think it's um, the time your, your mass is always going to be the same because you're you gravity is always going to be the same. And so the major thing that you can change in order to minimize damage to in a fall is the amount of time it takes for your body to stop accelerating. So, that's why things with a uh, that's why things with a smaller mass sustain less damage when they hit the ground. Like if you think an ant, you can throw an ant from the top of a building and that ant will hit the ground and be just fine. Probably a little confused as to why it fell so far, but it'll just get up and walk <laughs> away. You can't do that with a human cuz the mass is so different. Yeah. So a groundhog being that much smaller than Big Phil probably wouldn't sustain as much initial damage in the same distance fall, but I would find it hard to believe anything surviving the fall from that height. But we slowly dissolve from the flaming wreckage to the clock. Back at the B&B, the numbers flip over to 6 a.m., 6.00, and as Sonny and Cher sing their little ditty, we see Phil has survived in his way and he's talked previously about phil always waking up at six o'clock i wonder what would happen if he woke up on his own prior to six o'clock the thought sean and i think we had earlier doing this was that if that like there could be like some hypothetical you know we always like to assume there's deleted scenes or there's a deleted idea that never made it and one of them could have been that like yeah he he forced himself to wake up at five o'clock and he started maybe running to see if he could get out of town, you know, before, <laughs> before the day flips. And that like, he could be like mid stride, full sprint down the highway at five fifty nine, and sick. And then six would, he would just, you know, like come, like, it doesn't matter what conscience you are. Like, it's not, it's not a beautiful soft fade. And it is a rough, so, but yeah, little hand in mouth. Like, it's just that just, like, it's just a rough cut, which is one of the things that, like, when the, in this minute, I wish we didn't fade into the clock, actually. I wish they held on to that day previously a little longer. Like, like we see later in the film, we actually get to see Rita and Larry really deal with Phil being dead when they, like, see his body, like, on an autopsy table. Mm-hmm. I would have right. actually liked it where we see Rita and Phil, I don't know, whether they be at the police station or they... Like, they're with there, and, like, you can hear Buster yelling about something on the... Like, I, in my mind, oh, beautiful. Oh, move. New deleted scene. New deleted scene. Okay. It's <laughs> it's, it's the Punxsutawney <laughs> police station, okay? And it's Larry, and it's Rita, and they're sitting in, like, plastic chairs against a, a wall. Uh, 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 um, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, blue with uh, dark wood trim. And <laughs> and you hear Buster, and you hear Buster, and then we, there's a shot where it's, like, we have the, the, the two of them, their faces are, are, are in profile, and we see down the hallway, and, a, and blurred through a door is is Buster yelling. You hear something about Groundhog. And he took the thing, and 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 just like them sitting there solemnly, like 
saying a few lines that about like you know Phil and what are we gonna tell like once the lines once the lines get back up like what are we gonna tell Pittsburgh and stuff and like and you know like, and he's like I got the footage like what do we you want me to get rid of it do you want and so it could be like a talk between them about it like I know this is like it's like whoa what does it even have to do with the Groundhog Day but it's just this idea of like them really having to deal with Phil's consequence mm-hmm. and it, and for the audience it sticks with us like maybe he got out of it but he did it. To, he ruined two other people. He ruined a whole town to it, right. too. Right. Well, I could see, like, Rita and and Larry, they're a little shell-shocked. They're, they're not responding. But there's one of the cops standing over them just trying to, you know, he's trying to, he's grilling them. Just are, knowing that they were associated with Phil and, and seeing, like, were they in on it? Did they... Were they part of planning it? Are they associated? You know, what what was their role in this? You know, he's trying to grill them, and then they're just, oh, they just saw their coworker drive off a cliff. So they're a little bit shocked. They're not responding. And then Buster in the background, maybe he's on the phone with, like, the local zoo or something because he's trying to, like, oh, we need a replacement ground. Oh, God, yeah. Like oh, he seems like spin he, it. Oh, he, wow. he seems very cold, <laughs> yes. strictly business. Like so, he's moved on. Oh wow! Because at this point, he's like, "All right, that Phil's dead. Now I got to find another Phil. Yeah, we got to get another groundhog asap." So yeah, he he's on the phone with like the animal wranglers. Like, come on, we need a we need a groundhog. We need it for the the groundhog ball. We've got the ball tonight. Yes, I need a groundhog here by eight. What oh, can my you do? God. Yeah, I love it because because this is like this is part of their economy. You can't have this this tragedy. Yeah. That befalls like you know what I'm not I'm not trying to compare tragedies here, but <laughs> but but, but you're I re- right. This groundhog dying is just like nine eleven. But, but do you remember? <laughs> they're, Sean, they're not ready for our nine eleven comparisons oh, yet. Sorry, too too soon. But like but but. When there's that, that gunman that went off in Amish country, like, the Amish really shut down. They were like, we don't want anyone right. near us anymore. And it really, it killed that whole just uh, two cultures, two cultures meeting, you know? It really put a strain because it was like, you know, Amish did nothing to us and we had a madman hurt them. So for this town, it could, it could be the same thing. An outsider comes in mm. and just in the broad daylight takes our cherished uh, animal and just violently kills him. And so, and Buster knows we can't have it. That will kill Punxsutawney. That'll set Punxsutawney economy back like 10 years to try and build up PR to have more people come back. Because, like, the whole town would want to, like, not deal with it, you know? It would be like, they they wouldn't trust outsiders, you know? They would hate people coming in because they don't know which one's the next crazy guy. So, yeah, I actually, I like this idea of him being like, it's angry, but he can't. He's got to get everyone who knows the witnesses to to shh about it so they can get a groundhog for the ball and keep yeah. it going. Like, so you think say, there's a is he orchestrating the cover up? Yes, and it's for and, the greater good. Yeah, and the police probably the police are okay with it to a point. You know, maybe there is a there is a cop a detective that wants the intruder to come out and they go to Larry and Rita and they want the tape and Buster wants the tape gone. You know, but Rita needs the tape because she has to prove where Phil went and stuff. Because she just can't have a weatherman missing from Pittsburgh. It's going to look bad for them. And Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> These are such good lead scenes. To just see, like, the vileness of, like, this is what happens. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
They've got to go back to that pit and bring up the next groundhog. And all that happens, I said, in the afternoon, and then none of it really matters, because then, yeah, now we flip over to 6 a.m. So it's like the audience got told this whole story that they see where it all goes, and then to be like, oh, don't, never mind, we we looped. Like, not not as a dick (laughs) move, but as just showing you that just because Phil tried to get out of it doesn't mean that, like, the day didn't reset then when you die. The day resets when the day resets, and you... You did hurt all these people. There was a timeline where you hurt all these people. That's, and, oof. Oof, yeah. <sighs> well, speaking now, of hurting people, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, before we transition into the next day, I don't recall, is this the first time Phil has reached the end of a day without going to bed at the end of the night? Because I'm pretty sure all of the other days we've seen up to this point, Phil has lived out the entirety of the day and then gone to bed and then just woken up he slept, the next morning. He slept in a jail cell. He did sleep yeah, in a jail I'm thinking cell. there's at least the one night he spent in jail yeah. that he didn't make it back to the B&B. Um, this, is the, this is the first death, though. This is the first time we don't see Phil surviving in life, the, the day. But yeah, it's not the first time. There's at, yeah, at least the one other time where he didn't make it back to his own bed. So there is a transportation, yeah. not just in time, but also in space and Nancy's yeah. place and all the, any other women he might've been with outside of Rita, you know, he might, he thought maybe at that time, if he like, Oh, if I slip at her place, it'll, you know, the day I won't be in the bed. So the day can't reset. And, that, and then Groundhog day is like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. We'll rip you out of that bed and put you in this one. We don't care who you're sleeping with. It don't matter. You're getting the days repeating. Yeah. Hmm. So he wakes up and things are a little bit different this day as we see him walking down into the main room where where breakfast is being served and one immediate difference is he's not dressed he's still in his pajamas but as we see him entering the room the um the couple that's usually are the, the guy who's reading the newspaper on the bench out in the hall he's not there yeah because sean he didn't get dressed and wash his face this is uh-huh. about 15 to 20 minutes earlier, probably. So that man is not in the hallway. He's not that guy who greets him is not on the stairway. So if anything, this is very accurate. They're actually showing you this is 20 minutes earlier. If they showed you the loop, I'd actually be upset because that meant Phil lied in bed for 30 minutes for no reason. So this is a Phil that gets up out of bed, does not change, does not wash, does not do any prep work. Just go beelines from pajamas to Mrs. Mrs. Lancaster. Mm hmm. I have a hard time imagining someone in Phil's state of mind actually getting out of bed right away. The, hmm. the first thing, I, I, when I'm sad, the first thing I want to do is stay in bed. Yeah, Just I could lay almost, there for no reason. I could almost imagine yeah. him sitting there contemplating his next move for half an hour instead of, you know, getting up, getting dressed, washing himself. Just lying there staring at the ceiling. Although, if he has enough resolve to actively try to kill himself maybe he has enough resolve to at six o'clock get up out of bed go get the toaster and get it over with yeah i kind of but i i lean towards i i agree with you julia that that would take a little bit of time particularly because we as you know i think we we all kind of agreed that the chase and the eventual crash sequence that that was the first time phil went through that series of events. So I think what we witnessed is 
the first time Phil dying throughout all these 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 loops and iterations of Groundhog Days. So it isn't like I you know I think and what we'll see next week when we we're, we're entering in what I call the dark times of <laughs> of of Phil's adventure or yeah or his journey and certainly it seems like there are days where he's just it's just darkness it's depression it's suicidal that as soon as he opens his eyes as soon as that alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m he's thinking how am i going to end it today but if if this is the next morning after that crash where he's died for the first time that yeah, he, I could see it taking him a little while, maybe not as long as it would take him to get dressed and, and change and washed up and everything, but maybe longer. Yeah, maybe he just stays in bed saying, oh, my God, not again. I can't face this anymore. What am I going to do? And then finally comes to the conclusion, you know, OK, so crashing the car, you know, driving the driving a truck into a quarry and crashing that didn't end it. But maybe some other suicide it will will yeah. free if, me from this loop. If I do it in the morning, maybe I can get it done before the day really gets yeah. on. All right, all right. So, so the theory now is I like this idea. Rather than him being twenty minutes early, he's forty minutes late. Like he should mm. already be halfway to to, to Gobbler's Knob right yeah. now. But he lied in bed, and so all those people already passed. The guy in the newspaper got up and left. I don't know. The old people just sitting there because I guess they got nowhere to be today. I guess they're not going to Albert's Knob, <laughs> yeah. best I could tell. But yeah, like the there's no one else that he usually interacts with on the way in that's there. So could be. Yeah. Although some things are relatively constant. And, and one of those things is the mystical Mrs. Lancaster, who's kind of in the same place where she is every morning, no matter what time Phil comes down. And she kind of starts into her same thing, although usually she'll offer him a cup of coffee, but she pulls an audible. Seeing that Phil's going for the toaster, she offers him some toast. <laughs> Mrs. Lancaster doesn't want to move. She likes this shot. She likes yeah. being at the, at the, because she likes to greet him in the morning. And so yeah. she's like, and, and she knows that he tried to kill himself. She heard the news that he killed himself. Um, and she knows, oh, this will be a special day. This is his first time since he's killed himself. Like, you know, I'm really make sure I'll, I'll get here. Like, I don't, like she's like, you know, she goes, oh, he's thinking he can wait me out. I'll wait here as long as I need to be by <laughs> by the toaster and the coffee machine. And I'm going to I'm going to ask him how he slept like she's going to do it. <laughs> she knows she's got her plan and she and uh, yeah, she thinks, oh, he's going to just try and wait me out that I'll, I'll leave the I'll go back in the kitchen now. Yeah. Well, so Rick. You know, you mm -hmm. you said earlier in the week that this you just saw this movie for the first time recently. What do you think about Mrs. Lancaster? Well, I never thought much of her in the onset. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I really started listening to the podcast <laughs> that I started to see the nefarious underpinnings of her character. The whole idea that she could very well be the puppet master to Phil's torment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, she definitely... Out outside of that yeah. idea, I feel like she's a rather delightful bed and breakfast host who's doing her best and making sure <laughs> that her guests are comfortable. I don't... I never really saw her as any malevolent being, but, you know, sometimes when people are polite or a little too cheery, that can be very... 
how would you say suspicious? Exactly. To too people? cheery. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that creepy guy. He's too cheery. You know, he's up to something. You know, might not when be. When he says, yeah, yeah. When he says, "What can I do you for?" It's like, okay, are you a hitman? Are you are you trying to <laughs> see how much it would be to kill me? Yeah, it's a very <laughs> odd way of doing business, sir. <laughs> yeah. Have Have you? Uh, Rick and Julie, have you guys stayed in a bed and breakfast before? No, I do not like the idea of bed and breakfasts. I don't want to be so closely attended to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be offered coffee. I don't want anyone to ask how I slept. I want to be anonymous. (laughs) Correct answer. That is the right answer, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) I have worked at a bed and breakfast. Oh, well, how was that? And I have been told to leave people alone Mm -hmm. because... People don't want to be constantly attended to. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm the same way. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be constantly attended to. Just, yeah, leave me alone. I don't want to know you. I've never stayed in a bed and breakfast. I don't know if, yeah, I like, I, I will stay in a hotel, but that's a designated space that is purpose for strangers to come and stay. I don't want to stay in like a stranger's house. That seems weird. It does seem weird. I mean, we've eaten in a bread and breakfast before because it had an attached restaurant and we were driving mm-hmm. through. My mom wanted to stop. We were on a, a family outing and she's like, oh, this place looks nice. Let's stop here. <laughs> and so we did. Okay. And it was delightful. But we didn't stay. Right. <laughs> no, you didn't yeah. stay. You didn't do the bed part. You just did the, the food part. That's okay. That's normal. And I think what's odd is me and Sean talk about is that this place has a lot of guests from what we can figure. Like, yeah. there's a lot of families that looks like they're staying here. So this house is, like, a lot bigger than we've even seen. Mm-hmm. It, 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 right. I don't think it actually qualifies as a bed and breakfast. I think it's an inn. Okay. Yeah, what is it? Other than fancy names, is there is there a real official difference that we know? I wonder. I'll bet there is. I'll bet it's the kind of difference, like, between... A highway and an expressway and a freeway. Like, we kind of use those terms interchangeably, but they're actually different things. Or, like, a rotary and a roundabout. Mm. They're actually different things, but we use them interchangeably. True. True. Good point. I do not know the difference between a rotary and a roundabout. And I also don't know the difference between a bed and breakfast and an inn. So, yes. (laughs) Okay. I found something, (laughs) and they... From a cursory glance, it doesn't look like this article that I found mentions Madonna's um, theme song from Die Another Day being better than Goldfinger. So I think we can trust this one at the outset. So they ask, you know, what is the difference between an inn and a B&B? And they say that a B&B generally has one to five guest rooms, depending on, you know, the local laws and whatnot and they usually have guest common areas such as living and dining rooms gardens backyards and things like that inns are owner operated or they hire an innkeeper manager and often the innkeeper or manager will also live at the property and they usually have eight rooms and offer breakfast and dinner so a bed and breakfast is one to five guest rooms an inn is anything eight rooms or larger what's the next level up (laughs) from an inn I think. Well, or then you just see the your hotel is, at that point or motel. A motel is exterior, exterior doors. facing doors, yep. and a hotel mm-hmm. is interior facing doors. So I feel like hotel and motel 
are sort of interchangeable, but as far as overall quality, I would go bed and breakfast in motel hotel. Okay. Do we know the actual name of this place that Phil is staying? Yeah, it's like it's um it's the uh, Cherry Street Inn. Yes, that's it. Cherry Street Inn. Okay, so it has. So they call themselves an inn. Well, there's inn in the name, but when Rita refers to it in the beginning of the movie, when when Phil objects to staying at the hotel, she refers to it as, "Oh, I booked you in a nice bed and breakfast." That's right. She does. I think that I think they are doing the same thing that we all do. We use inn and hotel and bed and breakfast relatively interchangeably. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, in terms of the number of people we see milling around for breakfast, would imply that there's more than five rooms. Mm. But you, op- Rick, with your little anecdote, you open the possibility these people may just be there for breakfast. They're not necessarily overnight guests. Right. Besides, with how many people you see, I mean, it gets a little tricky because, yeah, they're there every day, but at the same time, how often do you really notice them and can say, okay, well, these two are obviously sharing a room. Mm-hmm. This guy's obviously in a room by himself. Do you ever get a real sense of exactly how many people are staying there? I mean, I I use those first few minutes. And I think we got it to like almost like, like it looked like almost like a dozen groups, like how people were sitting and... And stuff like the two older, cu- the older couple, there's a man standing talking to them. So it's like, all right, well, he's not going to be living with them. So if that older couple's in one room and he could be talking to them, all right, he automatically gets put into another room. And it's just like how people were talking and sitting. I was like, okay. I was like, and I saw a family. I was like, okay, two, uh, parent and uh, parents and kids. Okay. They're in one room that has like, you know, multi, a little like maybe a two room type of situation where mm-hmm. it's like. One large yeah, room like that a has bunk a bunk bed, yeah, that has or a, a cot or something. Yeah, that has a separation right, right, for the yeah. kids and the parents. So yeah, we got to almost like I think ten or twelve like different groups of occupants total. And you're right, that does like qualify as an end. But you're like, where does all the damn space go? Because she's also probably got a kitchen and an, an office and and staff. Yeah. Well, and, and Phil just himself has what the looks like, is that floor. like the entire third floor? I mean, he's got a large bedroom yeah. with this area with a couch and the yeah. the fake fireplace uh, and everything. What's his face? Uh, Rob Black. He just posted that like drawing sketch. And like, yeah, it's like, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of space, like for anything, like not even like a hotel suite would give you that much unless you were spending like several hundred dollars a night. And I mean, that just it- lends more credence to the theory of the the magical nature of Mrs. Lancaster. You've got yeah. this this Hoovian bigger on the inside. Yeah, this Hoovian end that's larger on the inside than it is on the outside. It it does seem that that it's a uh, shared bathroom though. Yes, that's very bed and breakfast ish. Yeah, that's another reason why I would never stay in a bed and breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> right. If I can't have my own bathroom, then you've lost my business is automatically. It, is it bed and breakfast ish or is it? Bed and breakfastive. What did you just do? <laughs> what did just you blew my mind? Son of a. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, honestly, every time I think of in, I always think rustic. You know, I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. I could. I think is anytime you hear in, I think you automatically think of like some kind of medieval fantasy type of thing, like ah, oh, the innkeeper and the adventurers yes, walk you- in, like. I, it's, you go to the inn to find the quest, yeah. <laughs> then you can depart. 
What really bothers me is when you have a bar or tavern and they call themselves an inn, even though they don't have rooms. Yes, there is that bothers. There is me. one not too far from me that, like, yeah, it's it's clearly it's a beer and a shot type of place. They have a nice back patio deck and they do you know they do smoked food and stuff. But yeah, they call themselves an inn. And I'm like, I don't think there's ever a time where that the option of whatever whatever's up those stairs is ever like for for rent. Yeah, there's a place close to us called the Stumble Inn. <laughs> I-N-N, and it's, a, their logo is a little stick figure with an olive for a head, and he's, like, falling over. Great <laughs> advertisement for an alcohol establishment that you'll stumble out. Yeah. But no, the idea is you stumble into the bar, but they call it the Stumble Inn, and it's not a place where you can stay. It bothers me. I mean, maybe it was a long time ago, like, because, I mean, the place is kind of big, and, like, you know, I'm looking at the the, the bar I'm looking at, and yeah, Whistler's Inn like has a large second floor, maybe at one time, but I don't know how old this place is that had like a history, like the original owners, you know, such and such. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's it's like inns, <laughs> inns thrown around, yeah. inns thrown around the same way you yeah you use tavern. Uh, and I don't think anyone uses saloon outside of Western. I don't think I think saloon's pretty much a dead term in modern. Yeah, I feel like saloon would be hard to find east of the Mississippi. Oh yeah, yeah. And like yeah, like this, this and I say we're getting into like the whole Westworld territory, but it's like, does saloon automatically qualify as there's a brothel upstairs? Like there's going to be a madam running the second floor, like you know? Um, yeah, I think a saloon is like it's like a inn, but the rooms are by the hour. Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like and it's like that's obviously that's not going to work in like pretty much any state outside of Vegas, you know. Nevada. Nevada, yeah, yeah. where it's like, Nevada. oh, yeah. I come in here for, a, I come in here for a drink, and then I, me and the ladies, <laughs> we, re, yeah, we retire for the evening. Like, yeah, you're right. It's just like that. This, this, this is a dead term. We, uh, well, on that happy note, that's yeah. all I have <laughs> for minute sixty four. Uh, Julian, Rick, any anything else? Uh, six minute sixty four related or groundhog related? Well, I'm just so tickled <laughs> at the minutes coming up in this next week's worth of episodes because really, really? oh yeah, <laughs> really, I am I am rather dark at times and just seeing the creative ways <laughs> that Phil is decided to convey convey himself. It it's a funny series of shots <laughs> to me. Just because uh, I'm macabre like Ju- that. If you need some place to stay, Julia, we have a guest room. <laughs> we'll keep it open for you. And we're not... I will certainly keep We're that not a mind. saloon and we're not a bed and breakfast. I'll just say we have a guest room. But <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the, the minutes coming up next week. Uh, funny is not the term I would have used, but they are coming up. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, do you have any last thoughts? Nope. Any last words? Nope. Okay. I'm- <laughs> I'm good. All right, Dave. How about you? No, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm. I hope I hope the uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed, and I hope they retire wherever they may be for the evening. And uh, we want to thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. If well, no, I'm... not yet. We'll oh, not, what? We're not ready. Oh, no, I thought, we'll be. I... Oh, I thought it was going to wrap it up. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I just want to say, well, w- one last time, I want to give Rick and Julia a, a, a one last chance to let the listeners know. Um, oh, if you, yeah, you know, gosh. if you also think a variety of methods of suicide is amusing, <laughs> oh, if that's God. the kind of humor you're into, <laughs> oh, my then uh, 
where can folks find more from from Rick and Julia? Let them know. Well, yeah, I mean, if if we haven't sent you running after this week of being on this podcast, you can hear more of Julia and I on our podcast, the Mad Max Minute podcast, which calls madmaxminute.com its home. We are available on all of the podcast sources you can probably think of outside of some of the more obscure obscure ones i'm sure but we're also on twitter at mad max minute on facebook by searching mad max minute so you can find our listener page mad max minute beyond microphone and tomorrow morrowland may be a lie in thunderdome or it may be a lie beyond thunderdome but i'm sure you guys <laughs> will find tomorrow morrowland eventually eventually yes and and you can find us uh, groundhog minute at groundhogminute.com and we also have our own facebook group it's a gobbler's knob our listeners group and we are also on the twitter at groundhog minute uh and so now once again <laughs> take us home dave <laughs> all right all right sorry all right well yes that is it for us and we want to thank you all for listening and we will see you tomorrow if there is one would you like some toast oh <laughs> 